today we're going to be talking about jumping into the Bible and falling in love with the Word of God and the various ways to interact with the Word. And, um, and, uh, and so, um, uh, hold on. Actually, fifth Wednesday. Okay. April 29th is when Nancy's going to host that prayer meeting. Man, you, uh, you're pretty proactive. You get way ahead of this stuff. So hold that on your calendar, Wednesday the 5th, the 29th, or I'm sorry, uh, the 5th Wednesday of the month, the 29th of this month. Just going to hold a prayer meeting. All right, y'all. Um, you ready to, uh, to dive into the word today? We're going to dive into the word by talking about the word. So, uh, get out your Bibles if you want to. It will be on the screen as well. Um, but we're going to, we're going to be talking about, uh, the getting in the word and, um, Suki wants to share a little bit about what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons that we wanted to do it this way was we're thinking about how the setup every week is we wanted to kind of visit the basics again. Um, I felt like when we, when I was spending some time with the Lord, what he was showing me was just that in this hour, the basics are still the things that we have to stand on. And one of the things that we want us to be able to have in our arsenal constantly, we went through prayer, we went through Thanksgiving, we talked about being proactive and bold in our faith last week. And then this week, we wanted to kind of go over um, the word, which is our protection, but also our weapon of offense. And so I think there's no better and more important time than now to kind of talk about this. So good. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and both Suki and I have been feeling like this, this allows us to go through basics in a way that's far more kind of like, uh, personal and, and more like discipleship. Um, at our retreat, we were talking about how we don't want to be students. We want to be disciples. And the difference between a student and a disciple is a disciple does the things that they learn and a student just learns them. It's like a mental ascent versus actually living things out. And I feel like more and more, man, there's this, I don't know if it's because of the times we're living in uh, and, and just like this, like fire I have in me to be ready for anything that, that comes our way in these yeah. times, but we have to get really good at putting into practice the things that we're learning and the things that we're encountering uh, in, in the word. And so this is very much a practicum. And, uh, and I, I think that's going to continue to probably be the theme for the next couple of weeks. I may do some fireside chats type stuff like I did with PB a few weeks ago, PB and Sunny a few weeks ago, but it's going to be more kind of practicum oriented because I want this to be things that is like, it's training for training for real life and training for living. So let's talk about the Bible. Um, and, uh, and how, um, how I interact with the Bible and Suki's going to show, you know, chime in with her, her flavor as usual. And then feel free to, to, um, use the chat window as well as we're going through. Um, so I was reading about Smith Wigglesworth, uh, this week. Can I get a show of hands of people who know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Heck yeah. Smith Wigglesworth was a, a fiery guy, uh, very unorthodox, super bold. He's kind of known for his boldness and his signs and wonders and in the spirit. Um, one of the things he's not known as much for is how in love with the Bible he was. Uh, he was actually illiterate until he got married. Um, he was a minister around the 1900s or so, and he was really poor. And so he grew up illiterate and he basically learned how to read so that by his wife, his wife taught him how to read so that he could read the Bible. And, uh, the people that were kind of mentored by him and, uh, and the people that, uh, 
that he invested into have these really funny stories about his interactions with the Bible and with uh, how he interact with truth in general. And so I was watching this one guy who was sharing this story about this time where he was getting mentored by Smith Wigglesworth and he'd go over to his house every other week or so. And, uh, and they, they would kind of develop a relationship over time. But the first time that he showed up, he's got like a top hat on, he's got his rain, you know, his umbrella. This is in, is in London. He's got, uh, or, or in England outside of London. And, uh, he's got his umbrella and he's got a newspaper under his arm and he's got a top coat on or whatever. And he's about to enter into Smith's house. And Smith goes, you know, basically, you know, the guy tells the story and he goes, Smith goes, what's that under your arm? And he goes, well, an umbrella and a newspaper. And basically Smith Wigglesworth is like, newspapers are not allowed in my house because that's filled with lies. And I don't want any part of lies entering into my house. (laughs) So the, the, the dude was intense about truth. And most people that knew him well would say that he, the only, he said, the only book I read is the Bible. And he just, he just loved the word and all he would read all the time is the Bible. And this guy who was telling this story about being discipled by Smith Wigglesworth was basically like the first time he went over there and they're just getting to know each other. He just read scripture to him for a half an hour, then prayed for a half an hour and then read more scripture for a half an hour and then prayed for a half an hour. And then like he left the, left, uh, left his house, you know, like that's what discipleship looked like. Um, but, but it's, it's pretty amazing and it's pretty inspiring and the cool thing about this was that, uh, that, that Smith was, um, that Smith was asked a bunch of times, like, how do you walk in such power of the spirit and intimacy with God? And he kept coming back to like, the Bible is the only book that, that I, I immerse myself in. And so let's, uh, let's just read out the, the scripture that's on the screen here because, uh, I want to get us kicked off and, and into the flow of thinking about how the word of God can be used in our life and, and can inform our life. So here we go. Second Timothy three, verse 16, very well-known scripture here. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So I want to just break this down. So first of all, every scripture is breathed out by God. That's pretty amazing. Let's just, let's just like stop for a second and remind ourselves that the Bible is a book written by God about God. And if he wanted to say something else, he would have, meaning that he, he packaged this, these scriptures up in a book that is now given to us to be profitable for all of these things that we're going to be talking about here. But I think that the, the, the original starting point is like, holy smokes, like God wrote us a book talking about his redemptive story with humanity and God throughout of all of human history so that we would know his character, so that we would know who he was, who he is, so that we'd know how to do life together, so that we'd know what our mission and purpose is on the earth, so that we'd know where we came from, like all the foundational principles of life, the answers to those are caught up in, in this amazing book that tells us you know, the, the foundational principles of life and how to do life well. And God packages this thing up and gives it to us. And I think like, you know, it's, it's really easy for us to get cavalier with the word of God because we don't have to pay a high price to have four of them in our house, you know, and two in our car. But, uh, but a lot of people pay an incredibly high price to have the Bible accessible every day. And, uh, and we get it just, just there. Um, and so I think just a charge here, 
that the scripture is like no other book on earth. Uh, it's the best seller of all time. Uh, it's been around in its pure state for a couple thousand years and longer than that for the old Testament. And, uh, this is a truly miraculous, uh, working together. And then we see all these things that it's profitable for. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof and correction for training in righteousness. And this is, this is the part that I just totally like love that so that the man of God, the woman of God will be competent and equipped for every good work. Man, that is like such a strong charge. Like I so desperately want to be competent and fruitful in my life. I want to be equipped and powerful for every good work that God calls me to. And man, especially in hours like this, you know, like I just feel like there's a a charge in me that's so different uh, than I've felt before to just be ready in and out of season for anything to make every, every day count for Jesus and to not allow days to just pass by where I, you know, like I'm not in the game going for it and fighting the battle that he has us in and immersing ourselves in the scripture and the word of God is Mm. just utterly critical to being competent and being equipped for every good work. Now there was one thing that, that as I was thinking about this, there's a, there's a couple of things that I, um, that I, I noticed generally about seasons of my life. And I think also, uh, generally in the church, I think I see, I see kind of like two camps, uh, where there's error. The, the one camp is like, we just never engage the word, right? It's there. It feels dead. Like it doesn't feel accessible. I, I only interact with it when I'm kind of in a Sunday setting at, at church, whatever it is. Um, the other one, is kind of the, the, the lesser talked about one, which is the one where it's just like a crazy amount of scripture, like all the, like, like I'm consuming so much scripture that I never go deep with any of it. And I think that there's a, a lot of well-meaning Christians out there that are reading the scriptures a lot, but the scriptures aren't reading them a lot. Uh, that, that get the, get the word, but they don't go deep in the word. They, they go an inch thick, an inch deep. And it's, it's just like this, you know, it's almost like drinking from a fire hose where you feel like something's happening because the water is smacking you in the face, but not much is going down the hatch because it's like you just can't consume that much at any one time. And so I want to talk about the ways that I, I, uh, interact with scripture. And the, the balance that I've found in that, that I find is most nourishing to my soul. And so again, this is going to feel like practicum. It's going to feel like discipleship. It's going to feel like we're sitting down to have a cup of coffee and we're talking about, you know, Bible reading very personally from, from my life. And of course, and of course, Suki's as well. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of different ways that I want to talk about interacting with scripture. And there's certainly more, but there's a couple that I want to talk about. The, the first one is kind of, um, it's the day-to-day interaction with scripture. It's the, uh, you know, every day, what does it look like to get in the word, to feast on the word and to, uh, to, to have life-giving moments with the word. The second one is Bible study. So the, the first one is more about like me personally getting into the word to have an interaction with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to me about the word nourishes me for my day, equips me, convicts me. We'll talk about all the things that happen there because there's a lot. The other one, Bible study, is usually done either in a group 
or it's done with you having resources by your side. But most of that is, it's an extreme emphasis on making sure that you're finding out what the scriptures really say as intended for the original reader. So there's this, this intense focus on making sure that you're um, engaging in the scripture in a way that is, is really pure and accurate to the scripture itself. And so usually when you do Bible study, the way you do it is you enter in and you're not trying to go to like the deep emotional places with, with uh, the, the Holy ghost. What you're asking for is revelation about what that scripture really, really means. And so you usually bite off a portion of scripture and you go deep into it with the specific uh, objective of understanding. The, the goal is extreme honesty to the text itself, not as much looking for prophetic extrapolation or, or things like that. So it's like a careful looking to the core truth of the text, independent of your own reality, independent of your situations, you know, all of that stuff before at the end, you then turn it into application. And, uh, you know, we tend to do this sometimes in, in home groups. Um, I'm thinking about p- potentially hosting a Bible study this week um, where we can do that together, get out the good resources, turn our minds on and engage that. The thing that I noticed about this for my own life is a lot of the most foundational areas of my life, like the cornerstone truths of my life have been built in really pure, deep Bible studies. And the reason for that is because, um, let me give it, let me try to think about like a good way to say this. If, if I'm, uh, if I'm praying about, uh, how to be a great husband in this particular situation, like I'm going to be much more flexible in what I hear from the Lord and kind of how I interact with truth. Then if I'm asking who God is himself in his character and in his nature, who Christ is in his character and in his nature, um, how the foundations of the world were put into being, like these are areas that I want to enter into because they're cornerstone pieces of life, like what my mission is for, for, for as a Christian, generally speaking, not specific to me, like generally speaking, these are like theology cornerstones exactly. that you want to go really deep in the scriptures with a purity to truth that is super intense, that is incredibly intense. And you want to get out resources. You want to bounce them off other people. You know, you like, you want to go hardcore after truth. I think a way that I would put that is like, before you start to apply it, you need to know exactly what it says in an inflexible, more pure yeah. form. And then after you understand it, then you can start to think like, how does that apply? That's right. That's right. That's right. And so I'll oftentimes find myself doing Bible study on my own. Um, you know, I, I get the privilege of speaking in this format most weeks. And so sometimes it'll be to prepare a message, like when you're preaching through the book of Matthew for three years and you have to do inductive Bible study each week, for example. Um, but in other settings as well, sometimes I'll just get out a passage of scripture. I'll print it out on a piece of paper and I'll start interacting with the text uh, in that way. So, so that is, that is Bible study. Um, the, the, there's, there's a lot more we could talk about there, of course. The one that I wanted to go really deep on is, is kind of like how, uh, interacting with the word day to day, uh, looks for me and, and how I'd recommend you, you kind of interact with it as well. 
So there, there's a bunch of different things that there's a bunch of different ways that you can read your text. But the, the way that I would encourage you to get into a flow, uh, week to week and day to day is, is this. Um, you get into a time with the Lord, into a quiet space. You invite the Holy Spirit to come and to, to move in your time. And then with faith, you start to read your Bible and you read in a way where you can be stopped and interrupted at any time. The purpose of your reading is so that the Holy Spirit can highlight something to you that he wants to go deep in, that he wants to show you. This is a lot of the way that the Lord speaks to me in my life, where I'll get out the scriptures, I'll ask him to speak, I'll ask him to make the time powerful, and I'll just start reading the Bible. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll go random, sometimes it'll be off something else, but I'll just start reading the Bible, and it's with expectation that I'm waiting at any moment for the Holy Spirit to stop me on something and, and, and highlight a verse that, that he wants to go deeper into. And so once the Holy Spirit, I'm kind of reading through and once the Holy Spirit grabs hold of something and I feel it and I, and I go, Oh, that's, uh, that's exactly applicable to the thing that I'm praying about or that grabs something in my heart. Maybe I don't understand it or something. Somehow he moves, uh, to, to show me that, that he's on something. Here, here is like the most important thing that I'll tell you the entire time. Those are the key moments. And this is true with leading a church service too. You know, what you want to do is you want to, you want to look for the very person who's been given to us to lead and guide us into all truth when you're engaging with the Bible. And so he, he'll highlight something to you and you stop there and you honor the word that has just been spoken right there. This is the Lord speaking to you. And I see so many times people fly over it and they, they, they go on because they think quantity is the thing that matters. And it's not, it's quality. Like you, you read until the Lord highlights something, then you grab hold of that thing. And depending upon what it is, you interact with it differently. But this is called honoring the word of the Holy Spirit. This is called honoring the text that he's highlighting in the perfect scriptures for you to grab hold of in that moment. And so then you're, you're interacting with the truth of the Bible, which is pure end to end. And then you have your, your like your coach, your discipler unlocking this thing for you and you stop and you, and you honor the moment. Um, I think of this as uh, applicable to all areas of life. Right. When you're, when you're hearing a sermon and you feel something burn in you and you write it down, that's honoring the word of God going forth in your life. If you're reading your Bible, the same thing happens. If you're in a worship song and there's a particular verse that jumps out to you, these are all ways that God's speaking to you. And I'll tell you what, there's a verse. I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it's actually, it isn't here. Let's go to it. Flip through Jackie to the next one. Okay. Go to the next one. Nope. Next one. Perfect. Okay. So, so this is, this is a passage that is extremely applicable to this. It says, so it says, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. And then it says who, so it's in, it's in, it's in the context, the scripture right here is in the context of the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It's understanding the mind of Christ. It's having the word come alive to you. Uh, in a way where it's like it's active and, and, and powerful and spiritual in nature. So it says, whoever has 
will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And this is all about understanding the deep things of God, right? Like understanding the depths of scripture. But blessed are your eyes because you see and your ears to, because you, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't get to see it and long to hear, to hear, but, but they didn't get to hear. And this is, this is a time not many people have gotten the privilege of living life with access to the Bible and the Holy Spirit to live that way. And this is what the prophets longed for. They looked forward to this and said, man, there's this, this time where the spirit of God's going to descend upon all people. And then there's going to be like the Holy scriptures and the combination of those two is just a powerhouse that's at our disposal. And here's the thing, whoever has will be given more and that person will have an abundance. What this is talking about is understanding. It's talking about revelation. And what I believe this scripture is saying is that if you become a master at honoring the word of God, having an intense honor for the word of God, like you do not treat it lightly. It's not trivial in nature to you, both the Bible itself, as well as these kind of like, you know, these Rhema moments where God takes the logos, the kind of like consistent word of God, and then Rhema on top of it makes it a now word of God. If you get good at honoring those moments, you're going to have an abundance of revelation in your life. Because whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. But if you're one of the people that interacts with, with the word of God, whether it's like I'm talking about or the scriptures themselves, like in a trivial manner where there's not an extreme amount of honor around it, you're going to be one of the ones that walks away from Jesus feeling like they didn't get anything from his, from his words. And, and in even what you have will be taken from you. And so this, if there was like a key to revelation in my Bible times specifically, because we're talking about the scriptures, this is the key. Asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then when you feel some, when you feel wind on something or when you feel God highlighting something or you hit something that's, that you see in a different way, I've never seen that before. And I've read this passage 16 times. All of those are the ways that God speaks to us. You've got to stop. You've got to honor the word. And so what does it look like to honor the word besides stopping and recognizing that something profound just happened there? There's a few different ways that you can interact with these. So the first one would be repentance, right? So repentance is a beautiful thing. The the scripture that we read at the beginning was talking about from, from Timothy. It was talking about how the scriptures are God-breathed in order to bring reproof and correction. And so this is something that is like beautiful in the scriptures that we've got to grow and fall in love with, which is when you read something that cuts you, that's a moment that you want to lean into that, not run away from that. That's a moment where you want to honor that moment by stopping and saying, okay, God, like something's going on in my thinking or on my insides that needs to be corrected. And I need to change the way I think. And you enter into a time where you're like, I don't think the way that I'm reading this scripture and I need to repent. I need to change the way I think. And in many cases, I need to write out steps of confessions and things that I need to walk out. But one of the ways that you honor a scripture or the word that the, the Lord is bringing to you is that you enter into a time of repentance and correction and, and, and confession. And so that's one of the many ways, right? So you're reading through scripture and the Lord 
the Lord cuts you in an area where you're like, oh, wow, like I am just not doing well there. Uh, there's sin in my life or I'm not loving in the way that I want to or, you know, whatever it might be. It's this beautiful moment where God has breathed on that because he's giving you the grace to walk out of that sin. That's, that's why the word of God comes to you in those moments. So you can lean into it, embrace it and walk out differently. So that's one. Uh, another one could be a teaching moment. So you're reading through the scriptures and you're gliding along and you hit something and you go, I don't know what that means, uh, but there's something on this that's different. Like I'm supposed to dig into this and you stop in those moments and you make sure that you don't run by those. This is the invitation to the treasure hunt, right? God's dynamic. He's going to, he's going to speak to you in different ways. One is an invitation to uplevel your thinking through repentance. The next one is a teaching moment where God wants to lead you on a treasure hunt. And so you get to go, I don't know what this means. This is awesome. And you write it down and go like, this is the fun stuff. I'm going to like now engage with the Holy Spirit and engage with my community and my resources to find out what the heck this thing means. And you grab hold of this thing and you go deep in it. Now, this is such a cool thing because when you engage on a treasure hunt like this with the Lord, where he's teaching you something, these are the, these are the scriptures that I've found over my life that I have stories about where I'll be like, I have no idea what that scripture means. And then I'll figure it out and it'll unlock something to me and it'll be like mine for the rest of my life. And I'll be like, oh, this is such a beautiful asset to me. And so, so again, honor those moments by not running over them, but spend a week unpacking a single scripture that the Lord has given you and just like dive into it and dig into it, ask him to speak to you over the course of life and, and then go forth expectant. That's the teaching version of this. So repentance, confession, you know, correction. This one's teaching. The, the next one that I'll throw out there, and this is one that if you want to have a deep, really rich life in the spirit, like uh, a life where the scripture isn't just uh, known up here, but it's like full of fully through you. I've talked about this probably more than, more than any of these other ones that I've talked about, but meditation on a scripture is the best way uh, action and meditation are the two most best ways that I know how to activate truth where they go from here to here, like obeying, doing it and meditating on it are the two. So let's just say that you had a really hard time with um, uh, you wanted to walk uh, in, in uh, deeper in the, in the gift of prophecy. Um, you know, you might want to get a scripture that speaks to the power of prophecy and then just camp in it, just like camp in that thing, you know, like lay down on your back or something and just, just say over and over again, eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Or maybe you go into a chapter that's like the, the Joel chapter where it talks about the spirit of God being poured out on all flesh and, and you start to whatever's relevant to that area that you want to go really like deep, like create a deep well in the, the mental image that I'd give you here is what I think about it in terms of meditation is like you're kind of cruising along the surface and then you stop on something that you want to meditate on. And it's like you're digging a hole and the longer you meditate on it, the digger you go down and then eventually you hit a well and you unlock something in your life where, where the meditation in that particular area uh, you know, springs forth into a, into a well of life. And this is how I'd say you go from being just a kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a sharp minded Christian, which is super important 
to like a very spiritually rich Christian where when you talk about certain scriptures, there's life on it and power on it because you own them in that way. Kind of a reverse way of thinking about meditation for me is if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Yeah. Because when you're worrying, you're basically thinking about something from every angle and you can't kind of let it go. And it's kind of sitting with you all the time. But this is like the productive, uh, constructive version of worry. It's where you're just like, you know, so if you think about what you do when you worry, but do that with scripture, uh, I think sometimes for some people, maybe that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, it kind of like just sits around your soul all the time, kind of lingering <laughs> all the time and you just can't shake it, but you do it with something that's true, you know? And as you think about it more, you, you kind of, it makes a little more sense and it kind of gets a little bit more deeply embedded in you. Yeah. Um, don't do it with worry, but do it with scripture. Yeah. We're all professional worriers. <laughs> right. We're so. professional worriers, so we should be really actually know how to, we can okay. actually learn how to meditate pretty well. Yes. Uh, that's so good. Um, the, the next one that I would throw out there, uh, and this is the last one, and then we're going to open it up for some comments and some interaction, is the area of life direction. And so the other area that, that often happens with, um, with the scriptures is again, I'm reading along, I'm cruising. I'm just, you know, maybe earlier in a prayer time, I've said, Hey Lord, I'd love some direction on this area of life. And then I hit something and I feel like there's wind on that in something that's directional in my area of life. And the, the thing that it looks like in terms of honoring these types of words are again, honor the word, stop. And start to pray through it. Okay, God, I'm hearing you here. This is, this is the thing that you're telling me to do. And there's two versions of this. One is, you know, it's God and your job to honor it is to obey. Period. Super fast. Quick obedience. Yes, God. Now, sometimes you'll, you'll get a word in an area that feels harder to obey and you want to say, yes, Lord, I'll do that thing. Um, but you, you want to do it with kind of like, you know, reverence, because if you say you're going to do something to the Lord, you, you want to do that thing. And so oftentimes if I hit one of those areas, I'll say, Lord, I'm declaring a yes in the power of the Holy spirit, even though I don't feel like I have the yes to do this by myself. And so I'll lean into my weakness and I'll, I'll lean into the Holy spirit in those moments, but you want a quick obedience. Like you want to go quick on these things. And so, you know, I have another sermon probably for how you discern life direction. That's not for this one, but there is definitely an aspect of scripture where you get life direction. And, you know, the, the word of God is a, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And, uh, and oftentimes the Lord will use the Bible to direct you in certain, in certain areas. Some of, you know, some of the areas of my life that I've been directed in the most uh, have been directly out of the word. But it's the spirit of God coming on that and then, you know, and then, uh, and then, and then making that come to be. So those, those are the things that I wanted to, to give you. Those are the different areas of life, um, where I interact with the word. No. Hey, baby. How are you? Uh, no. You're still talking to everybody. Do you want to say hi to everyone? It's Kylie's birthday. <laughs> it's a happy birthday to this one. Um, so, uh, so these are the areas that, that, you know, that we could go for four hours on this if we wanted to, but personal, uh, devotion to the scriptures, falling in love with the word, uh, it's a huge deal. 
Um, and it's, it's key to maturity as we read in that first passage, it's key to coming into the fullness of who you can be in Christ and, and serving him well in this life. And so I pray that as we talk about this, that there's kind of like a fire and a charge as to how to interact with the scriptures in a different way and in a new way. But I pray also that if you take away any frame from this, that you learn how to honor this kind of wonderful, beautiful moment where the logos and the rhema collide and God highlights something in his word that is a gift for you that you cannot treat in a trivial manner that you grab hold and you treat it like a seed and you go, Oh my gosh, this tiny little seed has the power of the kingdom in it. I am going to honor this thing. Like this, this tiny little thing that I just got, even though I don't understand that somehow when I plant it in the depths of the good soil of my heart and I nourish it with all of these different action steps that I just talked about, this will grow up to be a big tree that feeds other people. Like this is the process of, of fruitfulness. You grab those, that, that collision moment. It's a seed. I've got it. I'm stuffing it into the good soil of my heart and then it blows up and it, it grows over time and it bears, it bears much fruit. And so that is what I wanted to give you guys as a gift today. And then I wanted to invite any kind of interaction, questions, comments uh, through the chat, um, through the chat now. Yeah. All right. So Kevin just threw one out there as to examples of, of times where this has happened to me. I'll give you an old example and then I can give you fresh one, like fresh new ones as well. But uh, many of you who have um, like sat under uh, seeking my teaching for a while, you notice that I, I preach out of that verse from Matthew that I preached on today, the, the parable of the sower. Um, this was an example of where, one where I was in a Bible study. It was actually on Mark chapter four, which is the, the parallel version. And I was, I was doing this Bible study with a group of people. And all of a sudden that part about the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And this thing clicked in me where it said the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to me. And it was all about understanding revelation. At the time, actually another verse, uh, that, it, that is one of my like life depth verses, slide two, Jackie, could you put on slide two? So these two come together for me. Um, I think Jackie will get that up in a second. Slide two, the Ephesians passage. So there was a time in my life where this passage jumped off the page at me. Um, it's the first part of this. I keep asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I was in a time in my life where I'm like, I must know Christ better. I have to. It was like burning in me. And I found this verse in my reading one day, and it was talking about may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. And so for for like months I prayed that God would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation wisdom to know what to do with the truth that I already know and revelation to understand and know more truth and depths of that truth to more and more and more so that I may know him better. And so, man, I just camped out in this and I, I found myself walking down the street, just being like, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I'm going to know Christ better in my quiet times. I just camp in that lay on my back and just pray it all the time. And so that's a great one. During that time in my life, I was in a Bible study on Mark 4, 
And that passage, the parable of the sower got unlocked for me where I started to realize, oh my gosh, all of life is a big parable. And the way that you understand what's going on in your life is you go to Jesus and you ask him to interpret the, the parables that are your life. Like that's incredible. This revelation moment it kind of hit me and I camped out in that one and that one became one of my life verses. So those are a couple of examples as to how it's happened over, over the course of my life. Right now I feel some, for some reason, I feel a fire to read uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Like, I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but, uh, but now I'm on a treasure hunt version. I'm like, you know, reading it and, and looking at teachers on it and trying to figure out what God has for, uh, for me and us in, in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so, uh, so those are some examples. Thanks, Kevin. What else? And Kylie stole the show. Everyone's like, she's grown up so much. I'd invite, uh, I'd invite anybody who feels like especially burning or uh, passionate about the word of God these days to unmute if you want and just share what's going on and, and how you're interacting with, uh, you're responding to that in life now too. You just click the unmute in the lower left. Yining has a dope word, tool. All right. Unmute and uh, unmute. You knew you were about it. I do have a dope tool. Um, many of the families of the Ark might have this too. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. I've been crying every day reading this. <laughs> I am not joking. I can read this for an hour with Joni. Everyone, we can read it later. See, she like heard it and she's like here because she's ready. Um, it's so good. I heard about it from Aaron O. I see you in the chat window, Aaron. Um, and since David volunteered me, I didn't have something prepared to say. But what I will say about this is I think, um, I think adults could learn so much from this as well as children because this book does. Can I finish? It does such a great job of making connections between, um, I'm going to tell them about our book. Um, it does a great job of showing how every story foreshadows the person of Jesus. And it makes like really good thematic connections between everything from the old Testament, um, through to the new fits everyone's reading comprehension level. Um, so it's super accessible, but just like an example, I guess, of something that we read that, was like blowing my mind was we read recently a story about um, Abraham taking his son to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord. And it talks about how, is it Isaac? How he like walks up the side of the hill, like the mountain with his father Mm -hmm. carrying the wood for his own sacrifice. But then the way that they conclude the story is they talk about how, um, later on down the line, through Abraham's line, there would again be a son who, through obedience to his father, walks up another mountain carrying the wood for his own sacrifice on his back. And in that way, like, there's a foreshadowing to the person of Jesus and to what his action of salvation would be. And so the, the, this children's Bible does that for, like, every story in the Bible. It shows you the foreshadowing of the Christ figure and um, also makes connections to like who are the people that Jesus chose to be in his lineage and what they say about the character of the father and about 
the person of Jesus. So highly recommend it. Good. Love it. We definitely have a couple of those in the Longfield home. So good. Yeah, so good. Cool. What else? <laughs> Joe Joe wants to know when Ian can read this to us at night. Set up a set up a Zoom leak, and we can all fall asleep to Ian's uh, voice uh, of the Storybook Bible. Amazon link, please, uh, is is in there. So um, I got another one uh, in terms of what do you do when om- immediate obedience feels difficult? What does wrestling with the word look like? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, you know, this is the, uh, this is walking out our discipleship that like, there's often times where God will give you a word that feels really hard, um, to, uh, to walk out. I think, I think the, the first thing that I would mention there is that you've got to be authentic and honest with God, because if you don't immediately just recognize that it's really difficult, then what's going to happen is like, if you go into shame, then you're going to run from the word and you're not going to, you're not going to go deep with it. And so, so what I would recommend that you do is you get a word that feels really hard or that there, you know, sparks an area of like, you know, challenge for you, or maybe it's shameful or whatever it is. The first thing that I would do is engage with the Lord, recognizing that you've heard the word and that it's difficult and just have a moment with the Lord of just saying like, look, God, like, this, this is a hard word and, you know, like I'm going to need your supernatural help and thank you in advance for that supernatural help and, and start to engage with the Lord over it. The second thing that I would recommend that you do is immediately tell somebody who's close to you, really close to you. Like, so this is, this is kind of like the running mates that you have in your life. But if it's a hard one, the best thing you can do is come out and, and come out of your quiet time and call somebody and be like, Hey, I just engaged with this hard word. I'm going to need strength to walk this one out, but I need your help in it. Immediately you just went public with the thing and there's a different level of ownership that you have over it. That's not going to allow you to, to walk away from it easily. And I think if you do those two things, uh, you're on the path to, to walking it out. And then it's just, I think there's this interesting thing that we have in life where, you know, none of us have any strength to do anything apart from him. And so I think it's just asking him, what does it look like to lean into his strength in that moment? What does it look like to access his grace? So that would be the other thing that I'd say there. Nice. So Mona asked, can you talk about a time when the scripture was your sword? Heck yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear from people on this call. Uh, I'm happy to share a million times where my, my scripture is my sword, but any, any of the kind of like prayer, prayer monsters out there that want to share about how they use um, prayer as a sword. Don't make me call on people. I don't know if I'm a prayer monster, so to speak, but um, Joe and I were just saying like, we've never, well, I, we've never experienced a successful deliverance session without scripture. Like anytime it was almost like, it's amazing how much like, instead of like doing a push and pull with whatever, like weird spiritual things going on there, like you just immediately quote scripture and it's just reminds me of a lot of like how Jesus dialogued with the enemy <laughs> in the desert. So um I think that uh 
that's probably my most concrete example. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah. So I think deliverance is one. Certainly uh, intercession is the other one, right? Like you're in intercession and you're battling against spiritual forces and, and you're advancing the kingdom through prayers and you just grab a scripture that's relevant to the thing that you're going for and you just you wield that baby as a sword and you start to cut back the enemy's forces with, uh, you know, with, uh, with your, with your, uh, with the truth. And there's nothing like praying scripture, right? Praying scripture is the most like beautiful and confident building faith building thing you can do. It's like, this comes straight out of the book of truth that I'm now praying it. You know, it, uh, that's another way that you can just very obviously wield the sword of the spirit. Um, and, uh, so those are a couple, but clearly there's, there's a ton more. Uh, I'd say the other one is, um, if you're feeling personally attacked, this is another one that's a great way to just kind of like fight back the things that are going, find scriptures that are in direct opposition to the lie that you're being tempted by the great deceiver. Great with a small G, cause he ain't that great, but great deceiver, meaning like, you know, he likes to deceive, uh, and, and just start to push it back and say like, nope, I'm standing on it. And you're just like cutting back cutting back. Um, so those would be a couple other ones. Uh, Emmy, jump in. You guys having trouble with mute there or, uh, oh, I think it was something, no, no, it's sure. only, um, we're on the same screen. So it's hard to tell which one. <laughs> oh, we're having trouble with the baby. We'll, we'll, we'll jump back in here later. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, yeah, Kevin wrote, I feel like changing the spiritual atmosphere you're in is also one of the most scripture is a sword times. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. What else? This is my favorite time of our whole gathering together. This is where we get to share and like talk about, you know, learn from each other and get, get to the good stuff. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make a comment. You know, I, I like how, you know, in the scriptures, it's it just talks about, like, what maturity looks like. And it's like we're not being swayed by every word of doctrine. And I, I realized, you know, without the scripture, I think a lot of times when we think about, like, connecting with God. And, and we we did a, a conversation about, like, baptism of the Holy uh, Spirit in uh, leadership intensive. And one example is that, you know, like, with, you know, if without the scripture, we kind of, like, kind of leave our experience to God, like, by, by chance, as if it was something that just happens to us. But then in the scripture, it clearly says that he gives, you know, to his children, you know, good gifts as us who are evil give, you know, uh, our children good gifts, but he gives the Holy Spirit without measure to all who ask and those that would be him. And so it becomes something that we don't have to just be swayed back and forth. Is God connecting with me? Am I, am I not, you know, like, am I, have I fallen out of his favor? But no, in the scripture has uh, said uh, specifically. And there's so many things that are like that where it's like, oh yeah, you know what? Like he's given uh, his idea about that, that topic. And I feel like there's just so many things that we kind of left to mysticism, you know, uh, where he has given us, you know, ways to kind of ground our thinking surrounding those topics. Totally. Yeah. The last thing the world needs another one of is an opinion, right? Like there's just, (laughs) there's so many opinions about everything, even the biggest things of life. And some of you hear them and you're like, what are you basing that? Like, what are you talking about? Where, where's that coming from? And if we're not basing like the foundational things of life off of scripture, we're just flying around like, uh, you know, like everyone else. 
Yingning, are you going to give it another shot? Looks like that baby has really freed up your cheeks to talk. Yeah. Um, she feels so good about herself right now. Uh, I, I wanted to respond to the conversation around wrestling with scripture. Yeah. Yeah, because I think something that's been really – what's really changed the game for me in the past few years is trying to like be patient and reading the Bible as a larger narrative versus wanting the revelation from like a single sitting, which is what I think I was trained to do um, growing up. I was like, you know, I want to, I want to come away with something every single time, which I think is a good expectation, but that might not always be the case. And I feel like something that God has been encouraging me to do is to just like sit in discomfort over weeks or even months Um and trust him that he's going to say something in that discomfort down the line. So, I mean, for example, it's like if you read Genesis and you read like one swath of it, and then you see how much sin and brokenness happens, even within the family of the patriarchs, like that's a hard thing to confront. Right. And it doesn't wrap up in like a single reading or maybe two or three, but then like reading the entire narrative, like Genesis from beginning to the end and then seeing like the arc, of the themes of like redemption within family, like forgiveness, the foreshadowing of the reconciliatory work of Jesus. Like that doesn't, it's not like a, an easy prize, you know, like it comes at the end of like really digging into the entire book. And then like how those themes play out over the entire course of the rest of the word, like that comes with time too. So I think when I think about getting a hard word in scripture, I think about what a privilege it is to be agitated by the Holy spirit, you know, like it's, it's an honor to feel provoked by him. And I always think about the, is it the proverb that says like the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Yeah. That's the verse I always think about whenever I have a hard word from the scripture. I'm like, Ooh, even if it's cutting me right now, and even if it feels incredibly abrasive or painful, like I trust him to wound me in a way that heals. So I think when there's a hard scripture, like my encouragement to people is like, to not disengage with it, but to think that it'll probably pay off enormous dividends months or even years down the line. So good. Love that. It's really good. Thanks for giving me the second shot. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. I think we're going to wrap up with that. Uh, the, the point of this is not to, uh, you know, talk about the scriptures in some new mentally tickling way. It's to provoke us to get in there and make the scriptures real and to allow them to have that, that fruit bearing that we talked about in that second Timothy passage at the very beginning, the thing that allow us for every good work and to equip us and to mature us and to, you know, make us fruitful for the world to feed off of. So, um, I have a couple charges for us leaving, uh, leaving the, uh, the time. Uh, number one, I would encourage everybody to establish some sort of rhythm with, uh, their Bible reading this was this week. And I'd encourage you to try out some of the things that you heard today. Um, you know, like this is a life practice that we need to just get great with. And, um, and so, you know, do some reading, Look for expectation, honor the word as it comes forth, uh, and, and respond to it with action. Um, the other thing that I thought would, would be cool is, uh, because we're in this kind of like disconnected in a lot of ways type of in our homes all the time, community type of a thing is, uh, having a scripture of the day and some kind of interaction on Facebook. And so look for that. 
uh, I'm going to, I'm going to post some scriptures each day and, uh, and we can, uh, we can all interact over those together on Facebook, which I really love. We used to do that in the past and, and have gotten away from that, but I'm going to do it this week. No promise to do it forever. Uh, that's number two. And then number three is I was thinking very specific to, uh, this time in life, you know, one of the privileges or one of the kind of like benefits of being on house arrest right now is that you could, if you wanted to establish a rhythm like Daniel did, where he's spending, uh, three times a day with the Lord every day and just, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon and in the evening, and because you're home and not in an office or out in a school classroom or in a, you know, your own classroom, whatever it is, you can establish rhythms that look like what Daniel did. And I'd encourage you to just go gangbusters this week and just like devour scripture and get it into the depths of you and study it in the macro trends and the micro moments and, you know, just like go after it hard. I think that the thing that struck me about Smith Wigglesworth thing about him not allowing a newspaper through his front door, which I think is hilarious is just his intensity about truth is the thing that I think is so powerful about that, whether it shows up in that form or whether it shows up in some other form, his massive intensity around truth is like such a beautiful thing. Um, and I think we need to have that same level of intensity around truth. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, go after it this week and share on Facebook how it's going. Um, we got some pro tips coming off the chat that I just want to, uh, schedule a meeting on your calendar to get a midday Bible time. Heck yeah. Hubert has a great resource for memorizing scripture in book form. Uh, I think it's called Topical Memory Verse System. Yep, uh, from Hubert. So Topical Memory Verse System. Get that scripture memorized and in you. Love that. Um, Robert's talking about naming the meeting on your calendar, Jesus, Robert, one-on-one, and leave that baby public for everybody to see uh, as people calendar stalk you at work. Love that. Um, we love the Bible project in this household. I've been, uh, I just watched a couple of videos on the Bible project. It's been legit, uh, a really good one for falling in love, uh, with the word. Um, write down your scripture questions, but don't let them stop, uh, stop you from your reading. That's a good one. So like rather than, than having everything you don't understand trip you up, kind of write it down and then, and then revisit them at a later date. So you don't get too, uh, too caught up in, in one thing that maybe isn't the, the deep moment that God has for you in that time. Cut out all media and every other book. Only read the Bible. <laughs> nice. Alani from across the bay or the pond, I should say. I love that. That's the Smith Wigglesworth version. He's like, dude, I don't have anything in my life. I just read the Bible. By the way, it is Lent season. So uh, it could be an interesting way to lead up to Good Friday. Um, cool. All right, y'all. Uh, glory, glory, super awesome getting time with you. Let's get into the word together this week and get filled with truth and, uh, and walk as salt and light in the world. Love you guys. Peace.